Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. I have another exciting author on the podcast today and excited to share uh, the Bad Guys book with you. And we have the author of the original novel here, Aaron Blaby. And before I bring Aaron on, let me give you a quick intro. And he's an Australian author and illustrator. Aaron Blaby has written many well-loved best-selling books for children. Aaron Blaby is a number one New York Times best-selling author with around 30 million books in print. He is the creator of three gigantically popular book series for kids, The Bad Guys, Pig the Pug, and Thelma the Unicorn. His The Bad Guy series is a fan favorite featuring several animal main characters who have a reputation for being bad. There's a wolf, a shark, a piranha, and a snake, but who actually want to do good. It is a hilarious concept and has spawned 14 big bestsellers and is now a movie adaptation coming from DreamWorks Animation, which is also known as Universal. Aaron also serves as the co-executive producer of the Bad Guys movie due in theaters on April 22nd and the upcoming Netflix movie musical adaptation of Thelma and the Unicorn. Please welcome Aaron to the show. Nice to meet you. Hi. Thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. And so before we dive in, uh, I would like to ask you a quick icebreaker question. And that is, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? <laughs> your face. Oh, oh, um, it, look, I'm, my, I, get, I get mocked by my wife and children all the time for only liking uh, chocolate, basically. I say choc chip, it would be a choc chip cookie. Not necessarily fully chocolate, but it would have choc chips in it. What's my favorite cookie memory? Oh, you know what? In Australia, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the idea of the cookie because the cookie sounded very American and the cookie monster and all of that. And we didn't really have cookies. We had like, they were called biscuits, which felt very British. So when the cookie actually hit Australia as a thing, I don't know, it must have been the 80s maybe, uh, that was kind of a big deal. So I guess that is my, my big memory of the cookie is when the cookie sort of crossed crossed the Pacific Ocean and came <laughs> to, the, to, to Australia. Australia. Yeah, <laughs> I think that'd be it. That's great. And so when you do chocolate chip cookies, do you like them soft or do you like them hard? I like a little, a little bit warm, a little bit, a little bit gooey. And um, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, um, and I had one uh, yesterday, in fact. Well, great. I mean, I, that's one of my favorites, actually. It's actually quite a common, it's basic. It's, and um, it's not so a ground, does your wife it's, it's not a groundbreaking choice. I, I, I understand, but I, um, I, 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 it's, I, I can't, I, I, I gotta be honest, it's the one. That's right. <laughs> I mean, hey, why not? And so does your wife bake? She does. Do you bake? She, I don't. My wife does. She's very good. She's very good. However, she has an aunt whom she has on a gigantic pedestal. Aunt Maria. Hey, Maria. She has a <laughs> Maria on a gigantic pedestal as a baker, 
And accordingly, when she bakes anything around Maria, she's constantly running herself down in terms of her baking, but she's amazing at it. They both, and Maria's pretty good too, but they are, uh, 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 they, 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 they love it. And they, they, it, it's, it evokes all kinds of childhood cooking with grandma kind of stuff for, for my wife. So yeah, it's That's it's great. Beautiful. And you have yeah. two boys. You said you have two boys, right? Uh-huh. And I they're do. 14 and? Yeah, 14 and 16. 15 and 16. So you're in the drive. Is it, is, is it 16 for Australia to drive? Just, he's just about, he's, he's just about to begin when we, we're in, we're all in the US for the opening of the movie. So when he returns home, he is going to begin that process. Yes. He's going to start. Will you be teaching him? Uh, uh, yeah, we're going to, I think we'll stick, stick him in one of those cars with two brakes and another guy for a little while and then, and then we'll, we'll take over. It's funny, I, I learned when I was uh, a little bit older, I was 17 or 18, but then I moved out of home and I didn't have a car for like 10 years. So my wife actually retaught me how to drive in my 20s. Um, but now I, 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 you know, I, I love driving, I drive all the time. So yeah, it's going to fall on me, I think, to, to be the, 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 the yeah, my wife's already been through it once with me. Yeah, right. So it's your she, turn. She, she doesn't need to go through that again. So yeah, I think it'll be me. That's so fun. I have um, an eight-year-old, seven and five. So I'm not there quite yet. We just learned uh, bikes. Bikes is, well, that's, that, 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 they're all big moments. They're all They huge. are, they are. So I don't have to yeah. worry about the car so much, um, but God help us when they start driving because they all are very different. Like I think I'll have one that's very slow and cautious. I'll have one that's just going to just stop signs are just suggestions. And, you know, my daughter will probably just tell everybody what to do and start yelling at other cars probably. I see. Well, okay. So I'm excited. So you wrote the bad guys. So for those that aren't, and there's a movie coming out. Mm. And so tell us before we get into this a little bit more about your writing backstory, you've written lots of books. Did you go to school to be a writer? Um, How did you get into it? I, I have a shady past. I did uh, all kinds of things. I, I, I worked, uh, I, I started my life uh, after school as an actor and I was, I was a terrible actor, but I did it for about 10 or almost 15 years, which is an embarrassingly long time to not be particularly good at something. But I did it, I did it for a very long time because I loved movies and I sort of made, I just, I just got on the wrong side of the camera. I just, I, I, that was, as a teenager, that seemed like a good idea, but it never really fit me. And then I started painting, which I loved, but I missed kind of the storytelling element of why I got started, became an actor in the first place. And then um, I wrote my first book um, in my very early 30s, and it was warmly received, but like nobody really bought it. And uh, by this point, we had a couple of kids, so I started working in advertising to make money, and I started teaching to make money. and, And there was this sort of this creative hole that had always been in me for since I was a little boy actually which I could never quite fill and it was because I was obsessed with movies I was I'd see them even as a little boy I'd see a movie and and want to grab onto it and 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 take ownership over it somehow but I couldn't and and what it was what it was missing was I wanted to kind of create universes I suppose Mm -hmm. but didn't didn't know how to and then when I when I wrote the first book I got a little window into it, but it was it was very personal, and my kids weren't old enough yet to kind of have a, you know, sense of humour. They were still little, like little, little. They were they didn't have a defined sense of humour the way that you do by the time you're about six or seven. And when they suddenly, when they suddenly were, when my my, my youngest was six, and it was like I knew exactly what made him laugh on all kinds of nuanced levels. 
that's around the time the bad guys sort of hit me for a number of reasons, but it hit me and uh, all of it suddenly made sense. So the journey to that, I was, I didn't have any success of any kind at anything as far as I'm concerned until I was 40, which is the year I invented the bad guys and picked the pug, which is my other series that is really popular. Um, but it's yeah, a long road and everything about that road said give up, you'll never, you'll never find it. Everything did and I just, something in me just would never relent. I just kept plugging away and, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and it was, it's hard to do that when you're not entirely sure what it is you're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it is true, what I was looking for was the bad guys. I didn't know that at the time and I, I, I couldn't have, no pun intended, I couldn't have picked them out of a lineup if I'd seen them before this, but uh, when, they, when they did materialise, it suddenly all made sense. And how they did materialise is my youngest kid, when he was six, hated reading because he was having to bring home books from school that he found so deeply boring that they would make, make him cry. He would, sit on the, he would sit on the sofa weeping when it was time to read. And I thought, this is, that's terrible. And they were, they were terrible books he was being sent home with. Like really, really boring stuff. Like old readers that were just like not good. And I thought, and at the time I'd been thinking, I was looking for something to write about. I thought I, I want to try and I, I was at the point where I was about to give up because nothing had, I'd done eight books and they'd, none of them had landed. I couldn't sell more than a couple of thousand copies of them. They just were, nothing was sort of working out. I couldn't make a living. And I wanted, but I still had this idea about doing something about prejudice, about characters that were being judged because of their reputations and the way they looked. And my little one with, at the time was really into scary animals like sharks and snakes and cool cars. Oh, yeah. As, as kids are, and I, and I suddenly the, the prejudice thing and the scary animals kind of clicked together and I thought, there's, oh, there's something in that and he might like that, but I said, would that be fun? And then I started to think about the stuff that I loved when I was a kid, which was generally movies and, and, and books like Tintin and things, but adventure stuff. But then I thought, and this is the weird part, I thought, but what do I love now? And then I thought about things that have no, kids have no business being anywhere near, like, you know, like Tarantino movies or oh, right. heist, heist movies, you know. And then I, and then it occurred, and I don't, I'll never know why, but I had the thought, but what if I could take that stuff, the iconography from that stuff, because when I was a kid, I always wanted to get my hands on the stuff that I wasn't allowed to get my hands on. I'd always say to my parents, can I, can I watch that? And they'd go, oh, no, that's too scary. Oh, that's too rude or whatever. And I, I was always sort of covered that. And I thought, well, what if there was a way to take that stuff, make it completely appropriate, but still use the imagery and somehow wrap up the stuff that I wanted to do with the scary animals and the prejudice theme and make it into something that is like this rollicking adventure that has an edge to it that kids go, I can't believe someone wrote this for me. Right. And, and when all of that, ha that all happened, that sounds like a, that's a long story, but it, it all happened, that thought process happened in like 24 hours. And when it happened, I was able to distill the bad guys down into like a single sentence, which I then texted to a friend when I was on a walk and I wrote it down and I texted it to her and I said, what do you think of this? And she texted back about 30 seconds later the words, and I swear this is true. She texted back, that sounds like a DreamWorks movie. Wow. She did. She did. That, wow. was, in, that was in 2014. Um, wow. And, I, I, and I, I, didn't, I didn't even occur to me that this would be a movie until uh, the end of, very end of 2016. So 
it was a bit of a prescient moment for some reason. It's pretty, pretty amazing. I was going to ask that question because I'm a movie buff. I love movies. I will. I don't like horror movies. It's just an imagery thing for me personally, but yeah. I yeah. love, I can watch a movie over and over and over. I hate the question. What's your favorite movie? Cause I'm like, forget it. I can't, can't, can't be done. Can't be done. Yeah. And so you're, you're a movie buff. And so I was going to ask you that question. I'm like, there's nothing that he would probably be able to pinpoint. So when you're, you got the opportunity to become a producer or when the opportunity came up for your book to become a movie for being such an avid movie lover, that must have been a huge moment for you. Well, it was the whole process was so brain melting that it, it is hard to articulate. What happened was the, the bad guys books exploded in US schools. So in the book, in the scholastic book fairs, like again, I'd never sold more than a couple of thousand copies of any title. And then the first bad guys book came out. And in, in the US book fairs, we sold like half a million copies in a couple of weeks, just bam. And accordingly, the Hollywood studios all kind of got wind of this. And I went to LA at the very end of 2016. And I had this surreal week where I was, I drove around to each studio and met the heads of those studios. And a number of the studios were quite aggressively pursuing it. They knew that there was something that would make a great movie. And DreamWorks was one of them. And they were the only one, the only studio I trusted. They were the only one that I, I gravitated towards with the material because they were the only ones who really got it. They got the tone. And that was, and as, as executive producer, that was my, that was the, the entire core of my job. My gig on the movie, as far as I was concerned, was to be the guardian of the tone and the spirit of the books and the relationships between the characters, but mostly that very specific tone that appeals to both adults and children. And it's a really very, very like deceptively difficult line to tread. And you can, you can, you can go too young and it becomes condescending to kids and just becomes really kiddy, or you can go too old and you lose kids and it becomes something else entirely. To stay in that space where it works on both levels is it's the, the, the focus of what I do these days, but I just had a, a, an immediate sense that the team at DreamWorks absolutely got it. And then Ethan Cohen was brought on as a screenwriter, which who I'd suggested and DreamWorks were excited about too. And uh, wonderfully, Ethan was, um, he had, his kids were fans of the books and he didn't want to be the, he told me he didn't want to be the guy who messed up the bad guys right. <laughs> for, his, for his children. So that was really helpful too. So as a team, it was kind of like a perfect marriage because we all knew exactly what it needed to be. And, 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 and it's, a, it's a slippery slope with a movie. It's, it, it, it's amazing that any movie gets made, let alone any, uh, when a good movie gets made, let alone, let alone a great one. It's, it's such a, there's so many things that can go wrong. And then we were making it during a pandemic and there, yeah. were, there, were, there were administration changes at DreamWorks and different regimes came through while we were developing the movies. Like there was lots of stuff that could have turned it all. And, and bad adaptations happen every day. That's, of course. That's the, that's the other thing. I mean, when you do, I was extremely protective of them. And I was that week in LA, I was happy to walk away. If I felt like I didn't trust anybody, I was happy to just put it back in and just hold on to it until the time was right. Um, but they, they won me over completely. That's wonderful. And you're also catering to the world's toughest critics, which are kids. Yeah, that's right. They'll well, tell you exactly what they think of it. <laughs> well, I was that, uh, don't they? And I was, I, you know what? I was match fit for that though, because in the process of, of not having 
any books, being able to sort of have any opportunity to, to make a living from my books, what I was doing was I was visiting schools as an author whilst working in other jobs. I was going around visiting schools and being like doing author visits and I would go and I, I treated it like, I guess like a stand-up doing testing material. I would go, I would put my work in progress book up on the screen with sort of scratchy sort of rough illustrations and I would read the books aloud to a group of kids, sometimes really big groups of kids. And if I wasn't getting a laugh, if I wasn't getting a reaction in the right spot, I would adjust and then I would try it the next day at another school. And I went to a couple of hundred schools over wow. the course of, a, course of a couple of years, 219 actually, I remember. Oh, you kept track. Yeah, and, and I learned a gigantic amount about what um, kids will put up with. <laughs> it's, right. It's right. true, and, and, and you're absolutely right. And one of my favourites, this isn't my story, it's a story, and I've forgotten his name. There's an Irish comedian, David Doherty, I think. He plays a little keyboard anyway. He has this wonderful story about he was performing for kids once and a kid had put his hand up at the back and he went, yes, what's your question? And the kid said, is this going to get good soon? Oh no! And and that, but that's that's, that's it. True. You know, that's it in a nutshell. If you if you're trying to entertain kids, and, and I have a sign on my studio wall that just says "Don't be boring," and and it's sort of my 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 touchstone. Really, it's that thing of and and the game for me has always been how do you get kids to associate books with fun, and and yeah. and, and that's that's been my entire focus really from that moment when the penny dropped. Like right from the start, really, but from from around the time of Pig the Pug and the Bad Guys and Thelma, um, that is just my my mantra: is 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 books equals fun. And and if you can do and 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 speaking of fun, the most wonderful thing about the Bad Guys movie that I adore is just how much fun it is. It's like a theme park ride. It's just a blast. And that's that again, again tonally, that's like a, the perfect marriage between source material and movie. And I love that you were so involved in it because you wanted to keep the the essence of it because when, you know, you said bad adaptations, my oldest has been just wanting to, to read these books because I have the movie adaptation, I have yours. And he just started getting into reading longer books because he's in second grade, almost third grade. He actually told me yesterday, I'm a third grader mom. I'm like, no, you're not. You're still in second grade. But I read chapter books and this, that, and the other. And he has really enjoyed certain books. And I've been very blessed to be able to meet authors like you that send me their wonderful uh, novels for them. And he was laughing. He was looking through this book. And did you do the, uh, the illustrations as well? Yes, or no? yes, I did. Yeah, you no, did. I, I, I do everything. Yeah. So then, of course, obviously, an animator did it for the movie, but um, he was reading him and it's just it's very appealing with the eyes. He is a newer reader, right? He's going to be third grade, but he was laughing and he understood it. And having a kid's book that they can laugh and enjoy and breeze through and understand is super important. Well, it, it is, and the the bad guys has been very popular too with you know what they call reluctant readers, so kids who just you know like my son, I suppose, where they are just not engaging with reading for whatever reason, and they you can reach a point where you know picture books and and books with really simple language, it suddenly becomes embarrassing to kind of be walking around with a book that you don't feel like it looks like a baby book to to some slightly older kids. And what's fantastic is the bad guys 
seems kind of cool and edgy enough for kids of kind of all ages really to sort of rock around with and that's fantastic because it is actually I mean if I really if I think about it the thing I guess I'm most proud of is just that because of the sheer quantity of bad guys books we just heard the other day that the bad guys books have just passed 20 million copies wow and just just thinking about the number of kids who are choosing to read a book in those moments instead of being on an Xbox or watching a you know a YouTube video but actually the the, the amount of reading that is taking place because the bad guys books exist is um is is the, the 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 coolest thing ever really you know and there's obviously a long list of people like you know Dave Pilkey and Jeff Kinney and J.K. Rowling and all these people who uh, of uh, there's a there's a there's a legacy of 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 that it's just nice to know that it can still it can still happen. Absolutely, and I think because it's also become a movie, some will see the movie before they understand yeah. what the books are, and then it'll bring then new people to the books, and then they can start reading those because I. I like that and it, it actually does say that it's not the exact movie. The movie is not the exact original book, right? It's what's missing. Uh, like you mentioned, JK Rowling, I, I would buy my dad, my memory of like novels and kids stuff is Harry Potter and they weren't done yet. She was still writing them. And every father's day, I would give him the new book because it always came out around June. And then we would go see the movies together. It's just something that we do. And now they've got the spinoffs and other, and other series, but I would always ask him like, what did they leave out? What did they miss? Like there's missing parts. Cause obviously you can't be as you can do a lot with visuals, but when you write about it, you can describe it. And so I would say, was that pretty accurate to the book? And I like it when it's accurate and close because it, it really does uh, hold the quality and the essence of it. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's it, what's been, uh, what I've loved about this experience is because I have a very long story arc. I've got 20 episodes, far more story than can ever be contained in a single movie. So the choice was made to base the movie, the first movie, very loosely on the first four books and the arc of those first four, which sort of sets up the, the, the story really. <clears throat> However, given the tone and characters were kept protected, which was again my job on the movie as far as I was concerned, in terms of the actual storytelling, I was really wide open in terms of additional story arcs and things that did because it's a different medium and in a funny way the movie almost plays like a prequel to the books it okay. leads up it leads up to the moment why we understand why mr wolf decides to go straight and says you know what i'm gonna go good um it leads to that i kick off the first book with that moment this is the story of kind of how he gets to that moment and right. so it is it it, it segues beautifully but what they've done to my absolute joy and delight is they've taken all the the highlight moments from all of those four books and peppered it through the movie so that when kids if kids do love the books they come they see all the stuff they recognize and love and and all the characters they know and love um but they get a story that feels really fresh and new and if kids come in completely cold yes hopefully the reverse will happen they'll enjoy the movie I uh, love being in that world and want to know more about these characters and we'll go and read some books. So yeah, it is yeah. it's it's a it's a very nice uh, yin and yang situation happening there. What yeah, 100%. And so out of the characters are did you base characters off of people that you knew or that of movies that you've seen that you kind of morphed them in? It's a little bit of everything. It's kind of like a it's a bit of a cauldron. A lot of them are me, you know, and it's and there's there's elements of me, there's elements of people I know. Visually, my, my, my wife is, is a, an expert silly face puller, so she is 
her um, her facial expressions and her inner clown um, have been enormously influential over the years in how I draw the characters. Um, <laughs> I, she's she's constantly going, "That's me, isn't it?" I go, "Yep, that's you." Um, that happens a lot, um, and it's but in terms of and it's funny. I have my character Pig the Pug, who's a very unpleasant little dog. He's a nasty little dog, and that's why people love him because he's such a meanie. But there are a number of people. People people got a sense that I create characters based on real people, and and word got round that I'd based Pig the Pug on somebody I used to work work with. Oh. And I've had I've I've had so many people come up to me in the years and go, "Is it me? Am I the dog?" And um and none of none and none of them are right. Um, but it is really funny that people do think that, and um, I think that, it, 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 and they're all wrong in the sense too that even if if it was them, it's not them. It's uh, maybe a little bit of them or something they did. It's but it's like a character like Pig is is all of our worst qualities, and that's what I find you know fun to to, to do a book about showing kids how not to behave. That's what Pig is about. Sure. But he is a book. Uh, like so much of him is me. It's it's you. It's everybody. It's all, we all have these foibles. We all have stuff where we 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 mess up. And I think, and that's the bad guys too. You know, it's about a bunch of characters who aren't just black and white villains. They are complicated dudes. And um, my favourite of the bad guys is Mr. Snake because he's the one who struggles the most with the journey because he's probably had it the hardest. He's been judged the most harshly because nobody likes snakes. And he is, is, you know, he just can't see that there's any opportunity in the future that anybody will ever feel any differently. So he doubles down on being, you know, the scary guy. And as he goes along, he does try and he really does try to sort of st st stay on the wagon with this journey. <laughs> and, and that makes him easily the most fun character to write. I love him. And, I, and he's actually the central character of the 20 book arc. He is, in many ways... Snake is my, um, he's, he's like my Anakin Skywalker. You know, oh, he's, yeah. the one, he's the one who turns into Vader. He's the one who goes through the gamut. And then Wolf is the one trying to kind of save his soul as they go on this long journey together. Um, and I got to tell you, to have those two characters now embodied by Sam Rockwell and Mark Maron is right. just, is just like crazy. I watched, I watched Mark last, sorry, I watched Sam last night on, on the Tonight Show, and he's talking about the movie, and it was like, "What's going on?" You know, it's just—it's really. I was going to ask you that question because I looked at the cast, and it's a phenomenal cast, like great actors for your for your book. And being a movie buff, you were probably just—it's awesome. And his voice is perfect, oh, Sam Rockwell's voice. And man, and, and 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 as you were saying, like I'm I'm a movie obsessive, right? And and as you were saying too. Like pick your favorite movie. I, I I'd struggle to pare it down to a hundred. I could give you maybe a right. hundred films. Um, so they mean so much to me. And when you're that kind of person, then actors and their performances mean so much to you. I have admired Sam from his very first movie. Um, I was obsessed with him in my twenties. In fact, I, I you know if he if he if he hears that and sees that, he'll probably back away from me next time we see each other. But it's true. I thought he was amazing. And all this whole cast are. And it is, you know, with actors, really good actors, the, the, the opposite of the kind of actor I was, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the really good ones, they, they are able to, there's some kind of alchemy, there's some kind of chemical thing that happens where they just create some kind of magic that just transports you somewhere else. And everybody in this cast, is able to do that and it's the fact that I'm in the position of 
having them sprinkle their magic dust over my characters is just crazy. It's it's <laughs> it's so cool. I bet it's so cool. And all the characters, all the actors that I saw, they all have great humor in their voices, like Aquafina as Tarantula, like she's fantastic. And I hear all these voices and like Sam Rockwell's in Trolls and so that or two, Trolls Two. So when I hear the voices, I'm like, that's the character that plays this one and that one. And they're like, oh, because I'm huge into name that voice and where did I know that that actor? And so Aquafina is hilarious. And so the, bringing that essence of hit, like humor to your characters. Aquafina is just the bomb. And I, I got to tell you, it, it, when I, I put together lists of, of actors for each role, and obviously DreamWorks don't need any help in that department. They have an amazing casting division, but I I did it and it was, and they were wonderfully inclusive as they always are. And our, our lists completely aligned. Uh, as for Miss Tarantula, I, I didn't know what I was going to do because I had lists for every character with the exception of Miss Tarantula which was one name and it was Aquafina. And if, and if she was unavailable, I didn't want to do it. I didn't know what we would do because she was the only voice I could hear for that role. And so every time I read the script, I went, it has to be her. How can it not be her? But I got to tell you, like the top of, the, and in fact, I, I talked to him the other day. I did, I did Mark's podcast the other day. And I, um, I told him the only, the only performer whose work I wasn't, for, and this was a few years ago now. So it was before Glow and, and, and the other things he's done, but I, I wasn't familiar with his work and they sent me one of Mark's stand-up routines um, on a YouTube link. And I, 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 I reckon I was 10 or 15 seconds into it when I started writing an email going, please, please cast him, please cast yeah. Mark Aaron. He, I mean, he is Mr. Snake, it's outrageous. He is, again, my favorite character in the books. And when I heard Mark's voice, and I just think his performance in the film is just, it's just beautiful. It's so many layers. It's so funny. And he's, he's really, he's really, because it's hard to do that. It's hard to be the curmudgeon and the grouch, but also have so much heart. And he strikes that balance effortlessly because it, it's, 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 you know, that's just comes, it comes very naturally to him, I think. And that's, and that's what's, you know, a delight when you see an actor just bang in the in the right kind of role where they can just explode and that, they all are i mean my boys um as a family we love like craig robinson more than i can articulate oh yeah and and uh it, you know the fact that he is mr shark we're all still in shock about that i met met craig uh a couple of weeks ago and I, i'm still recovering from the fact that i have and and this is this is really cool because i was really worried that um you know, because I wrote this for my boys when they were little and now they're not little, they're big. And I was a little worried that by the time the movie came out, because they take such a long time, I was worried that they would be a little too cool for an animated film, you know, and they might be a little bit sort of, I don't know, not dismissive, but not as excited as they used to be. But they came and they saw the premiere. They met a bunch of the cast the other night and they met Anthony Ramos, who they just love and we all love. In the, and he was so great in The Heights and Hamilton and everything. And we were they they met Anthony and the first thing Anthony said to them is guys your dad is fire and I was <laughs> like and I was like yeah I, and I've told them since I'm going to get that printed on t-shirts and I'm going to make them wear them uh so that when uh when they decide that I'm just a, a an old man who doesn't know anything I'm going to go but look look what he said 
Uh, it was a pretty cool moment, i got to tell you. It was pretty awesome. But they're, they're all amazing. And, and Anthony gets to sing in the movie too, which was great. Oh, he does? That's great. Yeah. Anthony gets to sing and Sam gets to dance. So those two things, because they did Sam, Mr. Wolf does a dance routine at one point and Sam is such an awesome dancer. And Sam recommended his choreographer, who he'd worked with a number of times, who worked with the animators, believe it or not, to convincingly animate Mr. Wolf dancing the way that Sam does in that super laid back groovy style he does. It's it's like amazing, you know, to have to have those kind of people with that level of talent all working on something that came out of your head on a walk in the Blue Mountains in Australia a few years ago is pretty trippy. I bet. I mean, the way you talk about it, it's like you're another child too. And <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're never too old for an animated movie. I mean, I'm 37 and I just went and saw an animated movie with my kids and I was, I loved it. It was from a childhood character. And I think that that lives in us. And then when we get to finally see it and they're all coming now when we're older and I think it's great because it's also pegged to the adults too, when oh, those movies come out. Absolutely. And look, I, I think because obviously little kids love them and I think adults do and especially parents, if they're good, love them as well. It's, I was pleased because there's that middle phase, you know, when you're, your your you 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 know that thing in your late teens and into your early 20s where you're kind of dismissive of all the stuff you liked when you were younger because you're, you're past that now and i think what's wonderful i think because this movie is just so cool it is it's like a genuinely cool movie that happens to be an animation it's it's completely transcended that which is which is really exciting so it, it covers it covers all the bases really so i think parents uh, parents, uh, kids, and 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 maybe judgy teenagers <laughs> can all <laughs> can all dig it at the same time, which I very much like the idea of. Well, thank you so much. I'm super excited. Um, I just actually bribed my child last night to go to bed because I was like, I was going to take you to the Bad Guys movie on Friday if you go to bed now. <laughs> and I was like, you know, the book that's and he's like, okay. So uh, we're I'm excited to go see it with them and excited for my son to finally get to go dig in on it. Um, I really appreciate your time today and talking about talking about the book and the movie. Thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you. Yes, you too. And it comes out April 22nd. And if there's, do you have social media or anywhere else that we can follow you and keep up with everything that you have coming up? I have no social media presence of any kind, but I have a website, aaronblaby.com. So you can, I put all any, any news, anything that's relevant that people might be interested in, you can find on there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for being here and uh, good luck and have fun. And uh, thank you again for uh, listening to Chaos and Cookies podcast. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.